Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. You are listening to episode seven of Equipping ELLs. Welcome to the show, Damaso. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, Beth. How are you? I'm glad to be here too. I cannot wait for listeners to hear your story. This is one of the main reasons I wanted to start a podcast was because a couple months ago, I sat down with Damaso, who's good friends of ours in Panama, and heard his story of what it was like to be a newcomer in the United States and just had to get away to share the story with everybody. So you guys are all in for a treat today. So we're going to dive right in because his story is really fascinating. I'd love to start with, you could share a little bit about what your upbringing was like and a little bit more about your childhood. Sure. I'm from Panama originally. I'm from a small town called Las Tablas, which is like four hours away from the city. Very small, conservative town. So my, my mom and dad had me when they were very young. My mom was 14 and my dad was 15 or 16. So basically, I grew up with my grandparents there. From a young age, they took me to the baseball stadium that was down the street from their house and started playing baseball when I was four years old and kind of grew up, you know, as much as they tried to make it a, a, a because they got set. My mom and dad got divorced when I was like eight years old. And as tough as that was, they tried to make it the best possible for me. But my grandparents were kind of like the main support system of a family because they were together. They're very conservative, very disciplined. And then they pushed me to play baseball. for, And I loved the game. I loved from a young age. So I grew up in that small town. Then 
you know, when I was around eight years old, I moved to the city with my mom and then continued my high school education in Panama, Panama City, and continued to play baseball in Panama City. I started playing in national teams, started getting really good at it. And when I was around 15 years old, I played for an international tournament in Orlando, Florida. It was a, a World Cup. I had a really good tournament and scouts came to me and, and, and asked to get my information. And then, you know, six months later, I was in Panama and then uh, an opportunity came to my door that changed my life forever. <laughs> yes, you could say that. So coming from the interior of Panama, it's it's more farmland for those who have, you know, can't really picture what it's like. It's there's a major metropolitan city, right? You know, Panama City. And then really everywhere else in Panama is pretty rural. So coming from that to then the city and then having this amazing opportunity. So tell us a little bit about what happened when you were 15. So um, my grandparents really were really uh, strict about school and education. I was only allowed to play baseball if I had good grades. And, you know, there's no gray line from, you know, it's like the Midwest in the United States. Like, you know, all the people from the farm, it's, there's no gray line. So either you have good grades or you play <laughs> me. That's it. So I had good grades and, and I was, and my mom told me, you know, it, you don't have to worry about signing professionally because internationally you can sign when you're 16 years old. Sadly, that hasn't changed yet uh, on the fact that education is not important. You sign in as an international free agent. Uh, when you're 16 years old, whenever it doesn't matter if you're in school or not. Uh, in my case, my mom said, you don't have to worry about that. You're not going to sign because you have to finish your education. That's something we talk about. So I did tryouts for different teams. And, and you know, there was a lot of noise. Felt that I wasn't going to sign because I had to finish high school first. I was in uh, a sophomore in high school. And then one night I was hanging out with my friend somewhere and uh, I got a call from my mom and she was crying on the phone and she's like, uh, you need to get home because I think we're going to have to make a decision. And uh, when I got home, uh, my mom told me that there was uh, the Cincinnati Reds, their scouting director at the time, called her and asked her to go to lunch to a hotel in the city and offer me a contract to sign to play professional baseball, but also to finish my education in the state. So that my mom told me, like, I know you're 15 at the time. I know, I don't know if we're ready for this, but if you are, I can never provide you with an education in the United States and with the, the signing bonus or anything like that. This can change your life and I can't do that. But you have to make the decision because you're going to have to leave within two weeks to the United States. So I was like, why well, don't you know any English? Like, how am I going to do that then? You know, we pray about it. We decided to do it. So I signed the contract that day. And two, three weeks later, I was packing my stuff and moving to the United States by myself. <laughs> wow. At the age of 15 or 16. Yes. I was wow. 15 at the time when I got there. I, I, I turned 16 or in the States. Yeah. And the, I remember it was a, that was in 1999. So, yes, there were cell phones. There were a little bit of things already, but not the... Know what we have today. There weren't, you know, you, I had to buy phone cards to call my family and the internet. Yes, there there was internet, but I, we didn't have all these facilities we have now. So it was leaving. I mean, it was moving away. So I got there when I was uh, 15 years old. And uh, this happened so fast that I was, the team was going to provide me with a hotel room. Basically, at the end of the day, and the, I, I can't say anything negative about the team, but they, they were new to this too internationally kids don't ask for education mostly they just ask for the signing bonus and they want to play baseball so they wanted to sign me clearly and they 
found a way to do it, but they weren't ready for it either. Right. They didn't have anything set up. Not anything set up. <laughs> and their main purpose, you know, it's a business and they're, they're running a business and their purpose is to develop baseball players to, to build their big league club eventually and win World Series. So when I got to the States, they like within days before I got there, they realized they could put me in a hotel because it was illegal for me to live in a hotel by myself. So then they asked one of their coaches who live in this area where they had their spring training, which it was in between Sarasota and Bradenton in Florida. They call one of their coaches and be like, hey, we will pay you an extra amount of money if you let this kid live in your house. So this family, uh, uh, the husband, uh, uh, he had, they had three kids, three small children. He showed up one day and told the wife, like, hey, we're going to have another kid in the family. And he's, there's teen, this teenager from Panama is moving here. <laughs> So I can't imagine she was too happy with that at the beginning. Well, she already told me because we have a really good relationship now. <laughs> she wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> that was a big adjustment for her too. <laughs> yes. But it was, I mean, it was crazy since the first day I got to the States. Uh, 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 so many things happened. Uh, uh, well, and, and I'm sure we'll mention this later on, but my kids, uh, because of my situation, is a little easier. But if I had any kids uh, and I wasn't in the same situation, I would teach them English right away. Or, or the two languages, because it, it was so tough for me that uh, having that second language or speaking English, especially, it's just such a, it makes such a difference. And that's what made it so tough for me, because the truth is I was around most of the time good people. It was just like, it was just tough to communicate. Yeah. Every day was probably exhausting. Every day was exhausting. Every day, and it was scary. It was, that's the, 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 you know, and I grew up in a tough environment and I grew up, uh, you know, with people that taught me how to be, not to be victimized, uh, you know, to move forward and go ahead. But it was still tough. It was, whew. I remember the first day I got there. So I get to the neighborhood, The my host dad, I guess, and my host mom was having a baby that day. So the first day I show up to the house and they're like, okay, we got to go because we're having a kid. It's like, okay. So I'm my first day in the United States of America. So I'm like, okay, I want to see a little bit of the neighborhood, Lizzo. Everything is new to me. And, you know, 20 years ago, Panama was very different than it is now. So, you know, now you see Panama City and you see a big city. But back then, it was still like a small, big town. So the United States was a big deal. So I remember I opened the door to kind of see the neighborhood and the dog just starts running away. And I'm like, oh, so I'm trying to call the dog and trying to get the dog back in the house. It took me like two hours. I was like, oh, my gosh. This my host family is going to kick me out the first day because I lost the dog. They're going to come back with a new kid, new baby, and be like, oh, well, now you don't have a dog. I was sweating for like two hours trying to get the dog. That was my first day in the United States. <laughs> Smidgen. Smidgen was the name of the dog. I still remember. I still got it in my head. <laughs> Smidgen ruined my first day. <laughs> oh, man. So let's talk about the school you went to. Because like you said, they weren't really set up with any program or anything for you to really continue your education. So that's amazing and wonderful that your mom and your grandparents really made that a priority. Yes. So yes. yeah, share a little absolutely. bit about the school that they put you in and how that experience was. Yes, absolutely. I, I was a good student, but I was a baseball player and I love baseball. And when, at the time, I, you know, you always think you're going to play in the big leagues and be a millionaire and you don't have to worry about school or whatever. That's not a reality to everybody. So I'm glad they did what they did back then. And, uh, but again, no one was ready for this. So when I got there, they were going to put me in a public school 
And uh, I guess at the time, the laws didn't allow to an international student to just show up in a public school, at least for two years or so something like that. There were some rules. And they, so they had to put me to a private school. Uh, the name of the school was St. Stephen's. And it was a very good Episcopal school, and, but it was a very tough school. And, but it was a school for high-income families most of the time. So there were many minorities in Bradenton, Florida, in that school. It was a small school. And uh, so why I mentioned this is because nobody spoke Spanish. So I didn't have, there were no students. Because most places in the United States now, at least, I guess, in Florida, maybe California, someone will speak Spanish and kind of help you through. But there, there was no one. Right. And no ESL services. No, sir. Well, no. Not at all. And, and, you know, when you mentioned this, uh, that's why I wanted to be part of this, too, because I think this could be so helpful because it affects so much. Mentally, mentally, it affects so much. I still remember those days like if it was yesterday. I'm 38 years old now. The first day of school, my, so, so the, everything was kind of written to me. So I tried to figure it out because the problem was that I was zero in English. I didn't know anything. I, I, think, I believe kids now at least know a little bit, depending on the background, though. Some kids that get to the States that come from you know, immigration, immigrants and all this might not know anything either. So, so you cannot assume they know even the smallest thing. Yep, I exactly. didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. And that made it very tough. So you're given everything, your bus schedule, everything in English. Everything in English. So I had to figure out. So, you know, I I could read some words like bus, 7 a.m. So so I, okay, so I went to get the bus at 7 a.m. I was taking my time, got there exactly at 7 a.m. And the bus was gone. And I was like, what? You know, the day after when I figured out, the, 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 the bus driver told me like, hey, welcome to America. Here, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. Oh, <laughs> I was like, that's probably a well, hard adjustment a, for Latin yeah, time, was, which it's normal to be late. There. I could have been. I was like, I could have been there 15 minutes. I just didn't know these small things. So I had to go back to my host mom that she already hated me because I almost lost the bus. <laughs> she didn't want me in the house to tell her, like, you have to take me to school because I missed the bus. <laughs> so I, I I got to school and then there was like the first class and you know all these things that I'm telling you now I, I found out later on I just woke up with my backpack and I had no idea what I was going to do so the principal was speaking you know I saw people clapping I clapped too I you know I was trying to follow along you know <laughs> and all of a sudden the bell ring and everybody kept going to their classrooms so I kind of started looking like to see if I saw anybody kind of my age. I was trying to be a survival and figure it out because no one was there to help. So basically everybody kind of my age started going different directions. Like in Panama, for example, most Latin countries, you go to one class and you stay in that class for an entire day. I found out the hard way that that's not how it is in the States. So finally, I just stood there and the guy that was speaking, who I found out later was a principal, kind of came talk to me. I have no idea what he said. I just stood there. The guy kind of started making signs, like, give me a paper, which I assume was a schedule. So I gave him that. He took me to the first class. So I was like, okay, I'm set. At least I'm here. So I'm set for the day. Uh, the teacher, I, uh, it was an English class. And they, it's the first day of school. So they were trying to play, like, games to kind of make it, like, fun for the first day. And the game was, like, you know, you, you say something, you say your name and something about your name uh, about yourself with the first letter of your name 
but the problem was you had to say someone will say it and the next person had to say that one and themselves and he was lagging a line and of course i was the last one yeah, of course <laughs> so i was trying to find out uh what the game was and i'm trying to pay attention and see if i pick up a word or two and i felt that i heard the the, the word soccer i didn't know a, I, a new sport so i knew what soccer was so you know what what it got to me i started trying to say other people's names and they were ready everybody was laughing already at me and i'm trying to keep my tough face and then all of a sudden i said you know damaso and baseball and oh my everybody started laughing dying like, the teacher was like clapping laughing I'm, oh, like, oh, no. I'm laughing too i'm laughing too like if you know if i do what i said <laughs> i had no idea and it was so tough but i, I you know nobody helped right away Everybody, I, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not blaming the school. I, the school ended up being amazing to me, but they weren't ready. They just weren't ready. And, and I don't think they realized, neither I or them realized how tough that was or how tough it could have been to, to a kid like that. You know, I, after that, everybody got the, the bell ring. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to stay here. Then people started getting up. So I was like, okay, I'm going to follow then. And then everybody started going different directions. <laughs> no. So I was like, well, I don't know who to follow. It was big. It was a big mess. I remember going to lunch the first day. People started talking to you. And probably they weren't rude. They were trying to say something nice. But because you don't understand, it becomes awkward. And then, and then people laugh. And then you don't know if they're laughing at you, with you, or who knows. So... I started hiding in the bathrooms at lunchtime and trying to eat by myself. And, and, and all, I, I mean, they couldn't break me. I thought that I was, and I was a tough kid. And, uh, and that, oh, that broke me a few times. I, I cry and I call, my, I call my mom. You know, your mom's always softer. So she, my mom's like, okay, it's okay. You're going to figure it out. But I called my grandpa one day because my grandpa realized that I was having a tough time. And I told him like, hey, I, I don't know if I can do this. This is just really tough, whatever. And he goes like, okay. Grab your stuff and come to the farm and work with me. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Here's crying. my options. I was, like, oh. I was like, no, no, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I think it was within a week. It, it, it clearly was not going to be able to, to, to just continue like that. So within a week, there was a Spanish teacher. And I remember she was from Nicaragua. And she came to me uh, and she spoke Spanish, of course. And she came to me and she told me, like, hey, I'm going to give you one advice. She meant well, and it helped me, but I don't know if it was portrayed the best way. But, but she said, hey, you're not going to make it this school. This is like a, a, a college prep. This is a good school. But you know what? If you can at least learn English, take that out of, out of, out of being here. But So she goes, so try to just learn English, write everything down, try to, to listen to people, don't pay attention to school matters, and, and try just to learn English. Uh, you're not going to pass. So just forget about that. And then go home and watch TV in English and, and, and put those TV shows that are kind of easy to understand and put the catching words underneath so you kind of see the word and listen to the word. So it shows like Friends or Seinfeld or something like that are not complicated. And I did that for like two, three months. I just did that all hours, 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 hours. And I repeat the same show kind of like, because kind of, you know, the end of the show. So they kind of, you go back and you understand what happened. So you kind of know the words. And I did that. And within three months, I think I could understand almost everything. In wow. I still couldn't speak. Right. But your listening comprehension. Is but I, I was, I was comprehending. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then I could pick a few words and then I could, 
I could pinpoint little, little things like, if, you know, if you use the word did, it's past tense. But if you use will, it's future tense. So then, okay, so if I learn these words and I use this, I can kind of, and I start doing that. And, and I think within six months, I was fairly good at English. I could start doing educa my education. I could start doing homework. I, I started doing this. I was behind, very behind because of uh, the first few months. But I learned English first. And that helped me get to the risk because I ended up, I was very good at school. My education in Panama, I realized the schools in Panama was really good. Like I was advanced in math and physics and all. I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand what the homework was, not even how to do it. It's just what it was. I, I learned, uh, once I learned English, everything changed. Everything changed. And, and, uh, and one of the keys was that I wasn't afraid. But I almost, I, I went to the United States with that mentality. You're not going to be afraid. Just move, you know, you're going to make mistakes. But the way it was handled at the beginning almost broke me. Almost yeah. broke me wow. that, I, I, that I almost like, hey, I almost like, well, this might not be for me. Mm. But So imagine if the school was ready for you and had even just a few things in Spanish and thing, you know, pictures, visuals, those types of things. That's what I'm trying to encourage teachers to know that those Little things when when there's newcomers coming in make a huge impact on a student's educational journey. Just making them feel comfortable and welcomed that there's someone there to help them. It's really important. Absolutely. And I'll tell you this, if I can give them advice, and again, I'm not a teacher, and I just, and somebody that went through that. And that's what we love hearing. <laughs> the whole key is like, because imagine someone coming to you and talking to you about a subject that you don't know anything about. The first thing you do is like you stay quiet because you feel you feel like kind of stupid. You feel a little dumb. Like, am I supposed to know this? Like, so imagine that in every subject because of the language. So the main thing is the kids can feel comfortable. If when I felt comfortable enough, then I could learn. But I, at the beginning, I just felt uncomfortable because you felt you know you, you felt minimized when you don't understand, and then when you feel stupid, you kind of like you know get in trouble. You shut down. Yeah. And that's how mm -hmm. I felt. Again, not blaming anybody. They weren't ready. I wasn't ready. And they meant I make great connections, great friendships in school. And, 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 but at the beginning, that's what happened. So kids, how to create, and again, that, uh, I don't know the solution, but how to create that environment where kids understand like, hey, there's nothing wrong if you don't know this language. You, we're going to learn it. You're a smart person. Like you're smart. Like that, that positive reinforcement, like, hey, you're a smart person. You're going to know two languages that you're going to know this, but it's going to be challenging this way, this way, and this way. But you're smart. As long as you feel that you're confident, you can, you're willing to make mistakes. And if you're willing to make mistakes, then you're going you're gonna to cross that line to get better. Yes, exactly. Now, and I love what you said, too. I think that, you know, there's a lot of schools that are trying to make newcomers just work on content right away and get lost in the language because they don't have the foundation. So I think that was a really important point that you said of, you know what, you really focused on learning the language and building that foundation. And then you were able to engage in the content and tell us how you ended up because in, you were there for two years. I was there for two years. Yeah. My first year. So my junior year in high school, I finished up with good grades, but then my senior year, uh, I started already knowing English. It was a different world now. And I was actually helping other students with their class. I wasn't allowed to take Spanish class, but uh, <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, so I was helping other uh, students and I finished, uh, I graduated on a roll on top of my class. So I did very well, very well in school, I had very good grades. I was a very good student and 
you know, in the, in the ceremony of, in the graduation ceremony, they mentioned my story and I was very positive. I, again, the school was amazing, very good education. I had a great experience, but those months, the first few months were so tough and I could imagine, or I could see a lot of kids going through that and just quitting or, or just, or just shutting down. And it took just a little bit, or it takes just a little bit of guidance, understanding and creating that environment. And you could, you know, you you have no idea how many kids can drive drive with that and just go and become a lot of things. I mean, that learning English let it change my life. It, it, it's my family. My wife is American. My job now. I play baseball for a long time. I ended up not becoming a millionaire like a, like those like I was dreaming on doing. So I have to continue to work, but I still work on baseball. I'm, I'm an executive in the scouting department internationally, and speaking English is is an important thing. Uh, I finished college later on. I was able to do so many things based on those months, based on, on being able to get over the hump on those months. And uh, and and I think if I could have get the help earlier, you know, it would help me. And also I can picture so many kids going through that that don't get over the hump and they will have a bright future. They they can make do go go and do big things, but but they just get stuck and they're shut down. And who knows what they ended up doing. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so true. And it's cool now because you get to help scout these kids that are just like you in these international countries and really help encourage them and pour into them, you know, and to get to get over that hump of of getting used to these hardships. And I always Absolutely. think the stories of newcomers, I mean, really the resilience that you learn out of really the journey from your home country to a new country is very hard. And then your journey once you're in the United States is very hard, but the resilience that comes out of it, like you said, the opportunities that can come from that are just so powerful. And, you know, the heart of this and, and so many teachers is not, it's not about learning English. It's about being bilingual or trilingual or, you know, as many languages as you can handle, because it's really that's the superpower is knowing two languages, three languages. And so I know you've seen that in yourself and your family raising, you have two bilingual girls and just seeing the incredible gift it is for these kids to learn so easily back and forth and just the doors and opportunities that you have with that. Absolutely. And and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, like this, yes, I get to scout now. Uh, I get to talk to these kids and I get to help and guiding. I do it from the perspective of what I did. So I know how to kind of channel it in a positive way to create that environment as much as I can, that positive environment. But to your point, being bilingual, some, some people in the States that don't, don't, don't come to Latin countries or don't realize the things that happen over here, being bilingual in this country still is a massive like, competitive advantage in the, in the market. And being able to help these kids, and, and you might not see it right away as a teacher, but the life of these kids, when they come back, when they go back and, and, and use that to either teach other kids or whatever job they get, it helps their family and it helps generations. It changes life. You might not see it right away. Those, that, te- that Spanish teacher that gave me a, an advice, and hey, I ended up telling her, like, you know what? I graduated on a roll. So, yes, I could have done it. But she meant it well. But her advice of teaching me, uh, uh, of, of being able to learn English changed my life. And she wasn't prepared to do it the right way. But now, like, if you have a group of people that, that direct, that know how to direct that the right way, uh, those kids that you change their way of um, their learning opportunity, 
their abilities to learn a different language, they're going to change their generation, their next generation. Uh, the impact is, is, I mean, is limitless. It, it, it's, it's amazing what it does. And I see it. I see it in, in all these kids now in, in my position when, when they sign and some, you know, continuing baseball and change their life through baseball. Some, um, they learn English, they, they get their education, but their family is better. And their kids are better of what they were. And their grandkids are going to be better than they were. And it's an impactful thing for, uh, and it's, it, once you come to Latin America and see these areas where these kids come from, you realize how much impact they can make by, by learning that language. Yeah, that's so well said. And that's something, you know, as teachers, we see really one little snapshot of the whole picture. And, you know, just to encourage all you listeners that you really are changing generations, you're changing communities, you're changing families through educating that one student you have in your class through building relationship and meeting them where they're at. And, and like, I think you said, you know, your that Spanish teacher gave you good advice because she was just trying to give you the best advice she thought for you, you know, two Absolutely. years left. But I think you're also saying in that, that you would have loved to have somebody also challenge you and believe in you and say, you know what, this is going to be hard at first, but I also see in you that you have potential. You can you can get that honor roll by the end of your senior year. Absolutely, exactly. Again, she like like I said, she meant it well. But if, but like now, if if I'm in that position, knowing what I know now, I will say like, hey, this is going to be tough for you at the beginning, but you're going to make it if you put your discipline, your effort. You know, if you believe, you're going to make it. You're going to get good at it, and this is going to be helpful for your future. Everybody is like in baseball is the same thing. Everybody wants to know that it's going to help them in their future. When you when you we are able to teach or tell this kid like hey, this is going to help your future, they they pay more attention. There, uh, don't worry about making mistakes. You're gonna it's going to happen. I mean, all these things create again like that positive environment and for you to feel comfortable which is, you know, we all want to feel comfortable in everything we do, especially at that age. Who wants to be made fun of? You know, I, <laughs> the word bullying was not around back then. At least I didn't understand what that meant. But I'm sure I got bullied a lot. <laughs> in that. But uh, yeah. but uh, at the end, it's, those things change my life, impact my life. And like you mentioned, the teachers don't see it, how much it impacts their life. And probably these kids learn English and leave and never, you know, you never hear from from then again, but I'm telling you, that it changes their life. It changes their life forever. And yeah, if there's a structural way where I'm sure, I don't know, there's a psychological aspects or motivational aspects or, or, or I don't know, a better structural way to teach these kids to go through this, it's going to change their life. For You're going to be able to help kids that are strong, that are weak, that are mature, that are immature. You know, the, the big, all the big picture, all these kids, different characters. And nobody's left behind. And that's the, that's the whole key. Like, you know, let's try to not leave anybody behind. Yeah. Yep. Let's give everyone this opportunity. Oh, Damaso, this was an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for just giving us insight into what it was like to be a newcomer. This is going to be so helpful. No, it was fun. I appreciate being here with you. All right. Well, you can find out more about Damaso if you want to hear his bio and check him out. But we thank you so much and we will talk again soon. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done-for-you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step 
to keep equipping your ELLs.